Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. Pilate said to Jesus, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this on your own, or have others told you about me? Pilate answered, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation, the chief priests, handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom does not belong to this world. If my kingdom did belong to this world, my attendants would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not here. So Pilate said to him, that you are a king. Jesus answered, You say I am a king. For this I was born. For this I came into this world to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. The Gospel of the Lord. Good morning, everybody. Ah, praise the Lord. Uh, just some housekeeping announcements. As, uh, as many of you know, uh, as we announced last weekend, uh, the roof in Portola was in bad shape because every storm, shingles just... Just fly off. And so many of our parishioners have stepped up. Uh, if you go to Patola, we have that beautiful genie lift now to repair the roof. Because as you know, to rent one of those things are thousands and thousands of dollars. So our parishioner donated that. And then our other parishioners also patched the, patched the roof. So that way the next storm, we won't be leaking. So they patched it free of charge. And then after Mass over the weekend, last weekend, because we approved the, the, the new project, the next summer we're going to try to replace the whole roof. Because, again, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be, might as well bite the bullet now. And so it costs a lot of money to repair a roof on a church like that. And so, and so amazingly, one of the parishioners after Mass, one of the Masses, comes up to me and says, Father, how much will that roof cost in Portola? It's close to $60,000, by the way, to replace that. And so amazingly, this parishioner said, Father, we want to pay for that whole thing. And so they're paying for it. We got one person who's going to pay, one family's going to pay for our entire project for the whole roof. So praise the Lord. That's a huge amount of money. So thank you to that nameless parishioner who's you're probably sitting next to him. I don't know, to the family right now, but, but praise God. So after I said, hmm, the parish also needs a Ferrari. Uh, <laughs> so that way, when, when the emergency calls come in, I can, I can drive to the hospital faster. Uh, I think a red Ferrari would, would be nice, you know. So I, can, so I can serve you, serve all of you better. But praise God. God has always provided us financially, by the way. Remember, that's on top of the $42,000 we raised for the fire relief fund, plus the roof project. I mean, gosh. Stop being so generous, you guys. Be, be more selfish. Huh? So praise the Lord. God is so good. But let's dive into these readings. 
As many of you know, we have a, the parish has an emergency line. So whenever somebody gets sick in the middle of the night, there, there's a way you guys can get in contact with me. So that way I can, I can literally just jump out of bed and, and, and go to the hospital. So there's an emergency line that the parish has whenever anybody's sick. You guys can get a hold of me for emergencies at any time. But that also means everybody can get a hold of me. And so sometimes that phone rings in the middle of the night. The, the most uh, random of, of needs pop up. And so I get a call Friday night. A, call, a, guy, a gentleman calls me frantic. Father, there's, there's a demon after me. <laughs> so, oh boy. I think he's hurting me. He's, he's, he's in my house. He's, he's followed me. And he's, you can tell he's, he's very frantic. I said, all right, all right, calm down. You know, um, it's going to be okay. So I'm trying to listen to him. So I said, I'd be happy. You want me to pray over him? Because, you know, we're just saying that everybody makes fun of the Catholic Church until there's a demon in your house. <laughs> and then you got to call, call the big guns. <laughs> and so... And so he calls me as the father, I want you to pray over me, I need, I need help. He's, he's, he's desperate. I said, all right, come in tomorrow morning at 10, I'll be here. That's always a test to see how real they are, see if they actually come, come through. Sure enough, he comes with his family. He shared me the whole story. And the whole time I'm discerning, right? okay, is this a real situation? Lord, is, is this something demonic or is this something more of a mental issue because you always got to discern the situations well you, you don't blame the demon for everything of course i said brother i'll be happy to pray for you happy to happy to give you holy water happy to give you blessed metals happy to give you a rosary happy to give you all of these things but i said but the greatest thing you can do is that you need to go to confession and immediately his face fell. What are you talking about? Go to confession. Just do something. Do one of your fancy little things. Just give me a quick pill so I get out of your way. I said, ah, oh, no, it doesn't work like that. I said, I can pray as much as I, as I want and I can give you 50 rosaries. I can, give, I can give you medals blessed by the Pope himself. But none of that's going to work unless you change your life. Oh, you didn't want to hear that. Because oftentimes, what, what do we all do? It's the same thing. I said, ah, I recognize it in him. We all want a quick fix. We all want a quick fix. Go to the doctor, my back's hurt, just give me a pill and get out of your way. What happened there? Was that his will and then God's will came head to head? Right there at that moment. His own will. And then God's will. Face to face. Are you the king of the Jews? Pilate asks Jesus. Now let me just set this stage here. And hopefully begin to see the drama that's unfolding before us. Because this gospel reading is utterly powerful. There is Pilate now. Pilate, who's the governor of Judea, of that region. Pilate, who is the representative of Caesar Augustus. He is the sole power of the most powerful man on earth at this time. The entire force of the and might of the Roman Empire is behind Pontius Pilate here. At a snap of his finger, he can have legions Descend upon Jerusalem at any moment. 
So there is Pilate, there he is, representing Caesar Augustus. Again, remember, Rome was one of the most powerful empires that's ever existed. And Pilate was standing before Jesus. Jesus now would have been standing in front of him, chained. He would have been beaten by this point. Because remember the night before what happened in the Garden of Gethsemane? They arrested Jesus. They, 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 would, have met, they would have beat him down that night. So there is Jesus now. Imagine this. There's Jesus, chained, bleeding, bruised. His head is probably down at this point. The might and power of the Roman Empire. Head to head. With the king of the universe. So Pilate asked Jesus, Jesus, are you a king? In other words, what Pilate just asked him. Are you my enemy? Because remember, if Rome is indeed the top dog here in the empire, what was Rome absolutely brilliant at doing? Rome was a military machine. They conquered everybody. They just rolled over all the other kingdoms. And so, and so when Pilate asked Jesus, Jesus, are you a king? Do I need to roll over you too? With the might of the legions. Are you my enemy as well? And look at the response of our Lord. For this I was born. And for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Could you imagine what our Lord just did here? I am indeed a king. Battered, bruised, chained, bleeding. Pontius Pilate standing there with his armor, with the sign of the Roman legion. You're the king. Head to head, the power of the world, the power of God face to face. What is it about kings? As Americans, when, immediately when you hear the word king, it should make us nervous, shouldn't it? Our entire republic is found upon rebellion. Take a moment, if you haven't read it in a while, reread the Declaration of Independence. Our forefathers outlined why they were embarking upon this great experiment, which we are all partakers with. And they will say in the Declaration of Independence, just paraphrasing now, the reason why we set forth this republic was because there was a man across the ocean by the name of King George who was impinging upon our freedoms, wasn't he? All the way, this man, this king, this monarch, over there, all the way across the ocean, was suppressing us with the might of his will. Because remember, what is the, what is the great thing about being your own king? Your will reigns supreme, doesn't it? Whatever you want, you can have. Because you hold within you the entire wealth and power of your, of your, of your nation. Your will determines reality. So it's great to be king. Why was it great for Caesar Augustus, now the king of that time period? Imagine, the Roman emperor, 
sitting on his palace on Palatine Hill, which again, remember, that's where we get the word English word palace from, from the Palatine Hill, because it was such this massive, massive edifice of marble. And Caesar Augustus, with a flick of his hands, could get whatever his want, whatever he, need, whatever he needed. His will, from all the way to northern England, all the way to Persia, whatever in the might of this Roman Empire, one-third of the human population of that time period was under his thumb. His will ran and reigned supreme. Are you my enemy? Pilate asks. Pilate was very smart here because he understands two kingdoms cannot exist side by side. One kingdom must either crumble and one must reign. You cannot have two equal kings, can you? It doesn't work like that. Either one king must destroy the other, or they just simply fight. And so what Pontius Pilate here intuitively grasps is as indeed, are you a king? Are you my enemy? But our Lord now, he flips it because he says, I am indeed a king, but not in the king, kingly way that you think of, of worldly power. Because it's the same problem just today. When we think of kingdoms, we think immediately of mighty armies, power, and wealth. And Jesus says, you tired little man. I am so much more than that. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the one who is, the one who was, and the one who was to come, the Almighty. You see what Jesus Christ has just did here. He's laying out what, what he has foretold through centuries of prophets. That what God will come again, as he prophesied in the book of Daniel, the first reading, that this everlasting kingdom which God now will finally impart says that, that it will come down on the clouds of heaven. The ancient one presented before him. The Son of man receives dominion, glory, kingship. All peoples, nations, languages serve him. His dominion is everlasting dominion and shall not be taken away. This kingship shall not be destroyed. My brothers and sisters, what Christ is speaking about is the kingdom of God. The basileo tefeo in Greek. The kingdom of God. The first word out of the mouth of Jesus Christ. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. What Christ now has come. He has come to gather the nations and to bring us all into the kingdom. Why? Because you and I, now this is a great invitation through the power of our baptism and through our faith. God is calling us into this kingdom. Because all the other empires that will ever come will all fall. Rome fell in 457. Collapsed. Poof. All the empires that have ever existed will be gone. Egypt, the mighty pharaohs, gone. Persia, gone. Babylon, gone. Where's King George? They're figureheads now. They go on Oprah. They talk. That's their might. The United States will eventually crumble too. All of the powers, China will collapse. All the earthly powers will all be gone one of these days. One kingdom shall last. 
This feast day of, of Christ the King was first instituted in 1925, Pope Pius XI. He wanted the church, the worldwide church, to remember this day. What was happening in 1925? The world is reeling from World War I. And the winds were again, the storms, the clouds of war were again coming. What was happening? World War II was brewing. Imagine this from the Pope's perspective. He's looking at the continent of Europe, in fact, the whole world. He's seeing the nations gathering for war. The vast majority, by the way, of the people in World War I and the World War II who were fighting, they were all baptized Christians, by the way. Brother against brother, sister against sister. Baptized Christians killing baptized Christians in the name of nation states, Germany, France, Britain, I mean, you name it. The vast majority of these states now come together. What the Pope saw, he saw all of these nation states vying for power. Hitler himself, remember what Hitler tried to do? Hitler tried to create the Third Reich. He was trying to build an empire that would last a thousand years. How long did Hitler last? 30? 40? Not long. Do you see how flimsy the world is? Power, might, kingdoms, empires, they all fall. And Christ now is saying, I am the true king. But in order for Christ to reign, my kingdom, my will, must fall. Christ's will must now ascend the throne. I'll end here on this, on this note. I want us to replace Pilate in this interrogation in the gospel. Replace Pilate here. Replace him. I want you to imagine yourself now standing in front of Jesus. There is Jesus, chained, bleeding, bruised. He's standing before us. And he asks, and we ask him, Jesus, are you a king? And now Jesus responds to us, I am a king. For this I was born, for this I came into the world, and I testify to the truth. And everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. How will you respond to that? One of the kingdoms has to fall.